Once upon a time, I was in my kitchen with my cat called Puma, a real black beauty. And behind my back was a dog who I now call Prince Louis. And the cat's tail was almost sticking into my face. And I started to think about how I could possibly compose my second symphony of voices. And I thought, well, look, what better, uh, what better place than to compose the first draft of it here for you in particular, because you're a very discriminating uh, group of people. And hold on now, I've got to get the cat to speak. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you're very discriminating. And you would put me right if I put the wrong, you know, if the composition is poor from the point of view of music, if the harmonies aren't any good, if the, well, basically, if the kind of rhythm is all to cock. So here is my second symphony. The cat has just bitten me. Yeah, that's the name of the second symphony of voices. The cat has just bitten me. Hello, Mr. Mahoney. These questions are so excellent. I'm driving right now, so if I seem distracted, please forgive me. Yes, I went to an American drama school called the School for Speaking Correct Valley Girl. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. I went to the School of Hard Knocks taught by Mr. Hard Knocks himself. <clears throat> as far as your podcasting goes, yes, what you need to do is learn to speak Southern California. It's kind of like this. Hey, dude, like, uh, like this is a business podcast, and if you're into business and stuff like that, then, dude, this is the place for you. Like, Something like that. And then you'll get fewer listeners. I, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Thank you, Paul, for your cast on opera. That was just, it was cute. It was also funny to hear the dog lapping the water. <laughs> I thought it was horse hooves almost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I love opera, but I am really green, and I don't listen to it very often. But I did take a class, a course, a whole semester of it in in college. I was in a, it was part of the multi-inter, what do they call that? Uh, I was in an art program and they had it as a, uh, there's a name for it anyway, where you go and you, it's like a cross, getting a cross-cultural whatever-ish. And I'm getting the hook, so I'll just leave it as good post. Yeah, I was lucky enough, Paul, to have sort of an interdisciplinary um, education at that school, so that was fun. Um, they really, in, they really uh, encouraged it. Actually, you had to have a lot of the different. Uh, Um, art degree there so yeah I was even able to 
take a course that wasn't even on campus at a different campus if I wanted, so it was pretty flexible. But my uh, thing with uh, opera is I my first real live opera to see it was Tristan and Isolde by uh, Wagner, but um, I loved Carmen. We did that in class, and we did, like, Mozart's... Um, ah, I'm getting the hook. Hi again. It was... Um, Mozart's, I think it was the magic flute. And I think I might have done a paper on that one. Gosh, it seems like a long time ago. Um, but there were many others, and I uh, I just learned to really enjoy it. I don't know enough about it at all, but when I hear it, I just love it. And I should really listen to more of it on my own. That might be good, for my even for my painting. Okay, thanks, Paul. Good morning, Paul. I'm just listening to your message about the Opera Center. Yeah, that sounds great. So it's a separate one from your um, from your Omani blog. I'll take a peek, um, or maybe I, it's on your Omani blog. But anyway, I'll look both play. I'll look it up because yeah, I would like to see that or hear that. And um, thank you for sharing that because I don't know why I missed your message, but. I'm glad it's here. Thank you. I'll check it out. Hi, Paul. I went in, I listened to some of your episode, and yeah, it's an interesting concept. If we could formulate what we're discussing and make it a back and forth. Um, one of the things I picked up on is that your parents, your father, whoever told you it's rude to listen to other people's conversations. No, eavesdropping is rude. Listening is imperative. So there's a difference. It's like if we're communicating back and forth here and discussing meaningful topics and making some some uh, headway through this, this thing we call life. So I hope you're enjoying your work. I have to get busy too. Uh, lots going on. Got to pay the bills. And I hope you're enjoying what you're doing. And I'll play you some music, some Stevie Wonder called You and I, since you were discussing about you and I. That's coming up on Music Cure Sanity. Thank you very much, Paul. Have a great one. Wow, Paul Omani, this is a big subject for you to take on. I can see why you're expressing a conservative stance over your emotions around this with your mental health because it is a, it's a huge topic and, like you said, emotions can run high. Here's my take on it. I had two terminations when I was young. In my 20s, I won't go into the situation and the circumstances as to why. At the time, I felt compelled. Many years later, I regretted it, and I felt terrible that I had done this, especially when I had miscarriages after this fact. However, even though I don't like the idea of taking the life off of an unborn child, I understand why women feel the need to do this. I felt the need to do it, and I did. And even with the regret that I felt, I still have the opinion that people are going to do it. And if you don't legalize it, then you'll end up with women in shonky backyard establishments, having terrible things done to them. And maybe it's not like this anymore. Maybe there are abortion clinics that run under the radar that are well 
operated, but I think it's, it should always be a woman's choice as to what happens to her body. You could look at the legalization of marijuana and you could say before marijuana was legalized, a whole bunch of dodgy things happened around the sale of that drug. And now they've discovered that it has all these different uses and they're prescribing medical marijuana and they're realizing that the use of recre recreational marijuana isn't as bad as they thought. However, that's a totally different thing to an abortion. But whether it's a bad thing or a good thing for a woman is ultimately that woman's decision. So I am pro-legalization of abortion. Always have been. Oh, and there's my alarm <laughs> to tell me to have my coffee after my medical marijuana oil, which I can now purchase legally, which is amazing for my health. So yeah, I, I am definitely pro and I'm not going to go deeply into the reasons why. I mean, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because I don't like the idea of killing anything, even animals, and yet I eat them. I'm a meat eater. So I think we have certain double standards in our lives that are almost impossible to avoid sometimes. Some people might say, right, that's it, I'm going to be a vegan. But in my circumstances, if I were living on a farm where I had to kill animals to eat them, would I kill them? Who can say? I haven't been in that position yet and I think it's really hard for somebody else to put themselves in the shoes of someone who's pregnant with an unwanted child in a situation that is untenable. So once again, I would say I am pro-legalization of abortion. Paul, you are more than welcome. I believe in openness and open discussion. I think that silence is dangerous. I think we no need to talk about things like this. And I think I'm not afraid of being judged by anybody. I don't give a damn about other people judging me. I believe in myself. I have integrity in myself and my life. And I talk about my life with openness because I think it's important for people to do this. I think it helps other people. You know, I had a girlfriend who um, got pregnant after many, many precautions against it. Like she did everything within her power to not get pregnant. And she got pregnant to a traveler. And she had done everything to avoid pregnancy. I mean, everything within the normal reach of our power. They'd used contraception. She was on the pill. She took the morning after pill. I mean, she did everything and she was still pregnant. And she didn't want to have an abortion. So she decided she was going to carry the child and give it up for adoption. And she got no support from her family whatsoever. But she had very supportive friends, me being one of them. And during the pregnancy, she stayed with different friends at different times. She didn't have a partner or a boyfriend at the time. And the guy that she got pregnant to was an overseas visitor with no visa, so he left the country pretty quickly. She did tell him, of course, straight away. And at one stage, she was staying with me, and I looked after her. I had a small child at this time. And she said to me one day, she said, you know, Georgie, everybody else has pitched in with their two cents about what they think of me giving this child up for adoption because she had gone to all the adoption agencies and they'd given her counsellors and they'd made her go through all these different stages because it's very unusual for people to give their kids up for adoption in Australia, especially someone like her, middle-class white woman. And 
despite all of these steps, she still was very attached to giving this child up for adoption. And all of her friends had an opinion about her. Her family had an opinion about her. Her friends did. And I never imposed my opinion on her ever because, again, I believe that people have to do what they feel they need to do, especially in these circumstances, which are huge life-altering situations. And when she said to me, I, I want your opinion on this, and I said, but you, you should do what you believe. And she said, no, I want, I want to hear what you think. And all I did was tell her a story. And I said that after I had a child, when I had a baby, I could not believe that I would do everything to protect that child. I would throw myself across the train tracks. I would take on a wild tiger I would open the jaws of an alligator. I would do anything to save my child. That The unconditional love that I felt for my child, the depth of that love, so primitive, so strong, so powerful, was overwhelming and I never realized that that was how it was going to be. And that is all I said to her. I still didn't tell her what I thought she should do. I just said, this is how I feel about when I had a baby. And she was like, thanks, I, I didn't know that's how you felt. And she said to me, what do you think I should do? And I said, it's absolutely not up to me. This is entirely up to you. As it turned out, as soon as she gave birth, and I was there, I watched her give birth. I watched her eyes clap onto the eyes of her brand new baby, which she delivered naturally. And you could see her fall in love at that very instant. And that child was never given up for adoption. And she, had, she went on to have another child and she's with a partner now. And so to me, again, it's like, why do we ever get the chance to foist our opinions onto other people? So it's always about choice, as far as I'm concerned. And I think it's important to talk about these things. And I'm glad that you've got the topic on your station, Paul. Um, I don't think of myself as a great woman, but thank you for the compliment. Hey Paul, look, it's Trent here, mate. Um, you were you were close. I am an Aussie, but I'm actually based in Malaysia. Sorry, it's taken so long to reply. To be honest, I really don't use this to communicate. I at least I haven't. I've just used it purely as a distribution tool for the content that I'm trying to put out. And I decided to use Anchor as a bit of an opportunity to do a daily podcast just to see how it works on the back of Seth Godin and all the stuff that he does. So, mate, look, I'm happy to continue having a chat with you here if you want to do that. Um, yeah, I guess just reply on here and I'll, I'll get back to you whenever you do. As I said, apologies for not getting back sooner. Um, but let's, I'm happy to stay in touch. Look forward to hearing more about you. Cheers, mate. Bye for now. Yeah, hey, Paul, you're absolutely right. I, I hadn't really given it any thought, but I, it's kind of when my ex-husband was still driving a truck and I was home farming, I, I did uh, talk to him while I did all the things of milking goats and, you know, and, and, and working in the garden and stuff like that. I guess this wouldn't be any different. I, I, I think it'd be kind of interesting. I, uh, I'm going to give it some thought. Um, tomorrow I'm building bird bird houses and bird feeders um for a neighbor um but it's it's she and i kind of working through some of the some of the things that she wants done so um but the actual i don't think anybody wants to hear that but well i don't i don't know that i'm i'm, I'm thinking i'm gonna figure out a way to to fit it all in um yeah yeah that's that's kind of interesting thank you so much
Paul, I, I see that you're up at somewhere between 2 and 2.30 in the morning. I, I do hope you're not having any trouble sleeping. And uh, well, welcome to the wee hours. If you are having trouble sleeping, the wee hours can be very pleasant. And sometimes when you wake up in the middle of the night, The wee hours can be a, a very good time, I find. I find I'm very tempted to make audio. Hey, Paul. I like this little message thing. This is so fun. Um, so your daughter has a pony. That's great. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I won't be doing as much because I just don't have the time. But it sure is fun, isn't it? super cathartic. Love it. All right. Have yourself a good day. Bye. Hey, Paul. <laughs> I do miss your, uh, your, our interactions, your voice, but I actually come and listen to your voice. Um, I listen to your episodes not very frequently. I log on to Anchor only from time to time. Uh, so many folks who do not show up here anymore. Uh, but, uh, hmm, guy, folks like you, you're really persistent, and I loved it. You're really committed. Um, yeah, I'm going to go over and listen to Opera Center. I'm sure going to do that. I also... Um, I also, for who knows what reason, went on Twitter to the old um, Anchor chat room. It's also not very active, but I see there's been some activity in the last few days. So I left a message or two. <laughs> it's really amazing how that chat room um, persists over version 1, version 2, version 3. So, uh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, otherwise, uh, things are well here. I keep myself busy. Actually, the project I'm working on is again helping a little bit my son here and there. And that's always a great experience. I love it. Be well, be well, my friend. Hello, Paul. so heavily and heavy rain and I thought uh, when I listen to your message the sky in Cork uh, was very dark and was it on a chilly day and nowadays in Japan uh, it's like an early summer season and we have little rain these days so I could see a beautiful full moon yesterday night. And do you like watching moon? Anyway, thank you.
so much. Have a nice day. I love composing symphonies. I, I'm very keen to to keep working to see if I can get to my ninth symphony this year. But this is symphony. This has been symphony number two, and I dedicate it to you in the hope that. Some good will come of you listening to this symphony of voices. And I want to especially give thanks to the leader of the orchestra, all of the violins, the violas, the cellos, not forgetting the timpani, not at all forgetting all the brass players. I mean, there was some really great brass in that. In that. As for the chorus, well, you know, they're they're getting better and better. So, and you probably think I've forgotten the wind. No, they've all made wind in their own way, but. I guess you would also want me to express a huge vote of thanks to the woodwinds. So, first, um, what do we call it? First draft of Second Symphony. <laughs>